Psalms 23 today, and it says there in verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We're all very familiar with that Psalms 23, and what we're going to do today and for the next three weeks, we're going to break down uh, Psalms 23, and we're going to look at the promises that God has for us in this psalm, and I want us all, uh, by the time we get to week three, I want us all to know exactly what God is saying to us in Psalms 23. So, before I start, I want to remind us all that God calls us sheep. Now, when we went to school, people uh, in our school that we thought were a little bit slow or a little bit gullible, we used to call them lambs. Anybody else do that? Was that just an Irish thing? But you didn't want to be called a lamb. Because if anyone called you a lamb, you meant you're a little bit slow, or you're a little bit slow on the uptake, or a little bit gullible. But I want you to know that that saying actually doesn't come from school, or the vocational school in Enniscordia. That's where we used it anyway. It actually comes from God. God calls us sheep. In Psalms 100, there in verse 3, God speaking to us. He says, Know that the Lord, He is good. It is he who made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And then over in John chapter 10, there a verse that we're very familiar with, and we're going to read it, but I want you to notice verse 11 is what I really want us to notice this morning. It says that the chief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. That's the chief. And God says, I have come that you may have life. Praise the Lord for life, amen? And that you may have it to the abundance, to the overflow. And he says, and he goes on in verse 11, and, and God is saying that I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the, you and me, the sheep. And in verse 14, he goes on and he repeats it. He says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, you and me. God knows us, amen? And I am known by my own. Aren't you glad that God is the good shepherd, seen as we are his sheep, amen? I'm glad, amen. If I'm to be a sheep, I want God to be my shepherd, Amen. In case you didn't know, and here's something that's a little-known fact, maybe. Sheep are not the smartest animal in the world. In actual fact, sheep are, be, are considered to be one of the dumbest animals in the world. Do you know that sheep can't feed themselves? Yes, they can eat. A sheep can eat, but a sheep can't find food. A, a sheep has to be led to food because they're a little bit slow, a little bit dumb, amen? And here is the comparison between us and sheep. You can read the Word of God in your intellect all you like, but it takes God to reveal the Word to you, amen? 
Many people have spent years reading the Word of God and haven't got a clue what it means because they never asked the Good Shepherd, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to reveal it to them. Amen? Okay, so let's start off there in verse 1 there of, of Psalms 23, and let's break it down. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Isn't that great? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So here's the thing. That word there, want, it's a little bit of a mistranslation. It should actually be translated, if we look at it in the, in the Hebrew, it should actually mean lack. So the way that Bible actually, or that verse actually should read, and, and maybe it says this in many of your versions today, it should say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. And you're asking me now, why is that important? What's the difference between need and lack? answer is there's a huge difference. There's a huge difference in, 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 in uh, I shall not want and lack. A major difference. Because there's a lot of things that you want, but not a lot of those things that you want you actually need. Amen? Because there's so many things that I would love, I, I, I want, I could say, I don't actually, just in case you're thinking about a birthday present for me, I don't want a Ferrari. <laughs> but I could say, it's Friday, just in case anyone's wondering. And it is a big birthday, it's 50, so. So I could say I want a Ferrari, but that's not what I need, amen? amen. That's not what I lack. God never promised you to give you everything that you want, but he said, I will give you everything that you lack. Amen? Amen. Amen. God is not a God of, uh, that takes care of our wants. He's a God that will take care of our lacks. Amen? Praise the Lord. I am so glad of that because there's so many things down through the years that I thought that I wanted, but I actually really didn't want. But all through those years, God didn't, when he, I felt that he didn't take care of my needs. He was all the time taking care of my lacks. Amen? You see, here's the comparison. The Jews back in Jesus' day thought they needed a political and military leader. And they saw that in Jesus. And they tried to make Jesus their military and political leader. But they wanted a political leader, but God knew that they needed a Messiah and a Savior. Amen? You see that? What they wanted and what they actually needed were two completely different things. Jesus didn't provide for them what they wanted. He provided for them what they needed, which was a Savior. Amen? Another good example would be for, for you and me, parents in here. When your kids were growing up, what did your kids want to eat 90% of the time? Sweets, junk food. Isn't that true? I really don't know any child that ever wanted to eat broccoli over chocolate. Doesn't happen. But you, as a good parent, you knew what they wanted, which was sweets. But you also knew what they needed, which was vegetables and protein. And you didn't always give them what they wanted. You gave them what they needed, what they lacked. And that's how God operates to us. God will give you what you need, not what you want. Amen? I'm so glad growing up, 
There's so many things that I thought I wanted and God didn't give them to me, but he gave me what I needed. Amen? I'm glad for unanswered prayers in the Lord. Amen? So the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. Doesn't mean that I won't have needs or that I won't have wants, but God will give me everything that I lack. Amen? I need a shepherd, and my shepherd will provide it. Amen? Our God is the good shepherd. He is our provider. And here's a few things this morning. I have three things that, that God will provide for us in this scripture this morning. The first one is God provides green pastures and still waters. The Lord is my shepherd, Psalms 23 said. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. When the children of Israel were just finishing their 40-year wander around the desert, and when they came to the promised land, one of the first things that they did is they sent out 12 spies into the land to spy it out. And remember, that's over in Numbers chapter 13, where Moses sent out these 12 spies. Now, 10 of the spies came back and they said that we can't go in and take this land because this land is full of giants. And if we go and try and take this land, they will annihilate us. They'll defeat us. And they, what they did say is they said that the land is good. The land is good. They brought back produce of the land, and the produce that they brought back was amazing. They said that the land flows with milk and honey, but dare we not go in and take it because we will be wiped out. Then Joshua and Caleb, the other two spies, they piped up and they said, you know what? The land is amazing. It's amazing. It's brilliant. It, it is filled with milk and honey and, and, and every need that we have. And yes, there's giants in the land. And yes, they are mighty. But we can take them. Amen? When God led the children of Israel out of Egypt and into the desert for 40 years, he provided for them every day every day. Not one day did God not provide for them. God was leading them into green pastures, a land flowing with milk and honey. Remember, sheep can't find food for themselves. They have to be led to green pastures. Church, God, if you let him, will always lead you to green pastures. Amen? We got to let him. Amen? We got to let him. We got to trust him. You see, what the ten spies, the mistake that they made is that they thought, okay, God was after taking care of us. These uh, few years or whatever land it took for them to get from Egypt to the promised land, and then they, they rejected God's provision. And then they had to wander for 40 years in the desert even though God had already provided the victory for them and already provided everything that they were going to need. Here's the thing. Sometimes we have to go through the desert way. Yeah. Amen? Sometimes we have to go through the desert, but even in the desert, God will still provide for us. Yeah. I know many of you have been through the desert. In the desert, God will not let you down. Amen? He will be with you in the desert because our God is always a provider. He provides green pastures and still 
waters. Amen? I don't know many of you ever have taken a trip down to Ross Lair and went on to Furry. Many of you have ever gone on to Furry and Ross Lair? If you haven't, let me recommend it. It's an amazing way to travel if you've got time. It's great. We love it. Now, we haven't done it for a number of years, but uh, when we used to do, we used to do it nearly every year. If we were traveling across to Wales or whatever, we would go every year because we loved it. And the one thing that we always prayed for coming up to the time that we were going to take the trip on the ferry, we prayed for a calm day. Yeah. A calm day because, you know what, when you're on the boat on a calm day, it's amazing. It's, it's lovely. It's so relaxing. I mean, it's so stressful to go to the airport. You have to get up so early. You have to be there so many hours beforehand. You have to make sure you have everything in order. And it's stressful. Going down to Ross Lair is a breeze. It's a breeze. Just getting on the button. No issues, no hassles, no stress. Calm day. It's beautiful. But on a stormy day, that's a different story. I mean, a stormy day out there on the Irish Sea. You're going up and down. Up and down. And the one thing that will strike you on the boat as you travel across to Wales on a stormy day is the smell of sick. <laughs> and the amount of people with their heads hanging out over the side of the boat, giving up their breakfast to the fish. It's enough to turn the most uh, ardent sailor's stomach, the smell of, of sick. There used to be a boat down there. It's gone a few years now, but it, it, the, the boat was a fast boat. And you see, the ferry will travel about three and a half hours, three and three quarter hours between Rosslare and Fishguard or Pembroke or wherever it's going, or to France if you're going further. Um, but this fast boat used to do it in 90 minutes. But this fast boat had a name. Well, it had a name. I can't remember what his name was now, but it had a more popular nickname. It was known better by its nickname than its actual real name. Anybody guess what his nickname was? It was called the Vomit Comet. A comet because it was so fast, and a vomit because that was what it smelt like. Because it was so fast, it would, anyway, you don't need me to explain all of that. <laughs> Remember the time when Jesus and his disciples were sailing over to the other side of the sea, and this big storm arose on, on the water, and it was so violent that even these seasoned fishermen that Jesus had with him, they thought they were going to drown. Now, you're in trouble, let me tell you, if you're on a boat and you see a fisherman worried. Yeah. Amen. Because fishermen go out in all weathers. They don't care. But when you see a worried fisherman, if you're on a boat, then you need to be worried. Amen? So the fishermen in Jesus' boat that night, they were worried. They thought they were going to drown. And all the time as they thought they were going to drown, Jesus, who told them to go out there on the sea, he was fast asleep, snoring in the head of the boat, lying on a pillow. So all the disciples all around them were losing their mind because they thought, oh, praise God, I hope he's the Messiah because we're going to need him tonight because we're all going to heaven. And they went up to Jesus and they woke Jesus and said, Jesus, are you not worried that we're all going to die? How can you sleep in this storm? And what did Jesus do? Jesus immediately brought him to still waters, to calm waters. Mark chapter 4 and verse 39 says, And Jesus arose and rebuked the wind and the sea, and said, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Even though we all go through storms in life, never forget that God is with you, and he will always provide for you a way back to calm waters. 
we have got to know that the things that scare you, God, the things that scare you are afraid of God. Did you get that? The things that terrify you are afraid of our God. Isn't that amazing? God will always provide for us if we let him green pastures and still waters. Here's the second thing that I believe that we can take out of this scripture here in Psalms 23. It says that, that, that God will provide for you healing and restoration. Verse 3 says that God restores my soul. The New Life Version puts it this way. It says that he will make me strong again. Another version, the common English version, says that he keeps me alive. When the Lord is your shepherd, he will not only keep you alive, he also restores your life. Isn't that great news? God will keep you alive and restore your life if he is your shepherd. You know, very little electrical things get dumped in our house. Angela can testify to that. If something breaks in our house that's electrical, I will just say, I'll put it away there for a while and I'll have a look at it later and, and, I'll, and I'll go and fix it. I'm like my dad that way. He's the very same. He does the very same. He's a collection of stuff at home that doesn't work. Nothing gets brought to the dump. A few weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago at this stage, I, had, I was down visiting with my parents and, and the Hoover had just blown. And my dad said, go upstairs and get that Hoover and bring it down and have a look at it. So I went upstairs and I got the Hoover and I immediately could smell that the motor in the Hoover had burnt out. I knew it straight away. It's uh, smelled it so many times on things that I'd burnt out before. Still have them in the shed. <laughs> so anyway, he said to me, have a look at that. And anyway, I got out the screwdriver and I took a few screws out and I took a few pieces off. And look, at as I was doing it, I knew this thing is toast. It's gone. I knew it was, go I was never going to work again. But I humored him for 10 minutes. And then after 10 minutes, I said to him, Dad, I said, I'm sorry, but this, this yolk is gone. It's, it's burnt out. It's, it, it's only fit for the dump. I'll throw it in the back of the car. I'll bring it down to the dump. And he said, no. Put it in the shed, he says. I'll get someone to have a look at it. <laughs> and I know that that will be in the shed for the next five years. He will not look at it. It's, it's burnt out. It's gone. About a week later, he comes in with a new hoover under his arm. <laughs> Praise God. A new victim. Amen. <laughs> a few weeks back, our dryer burnt out. We were, was it one Friday? She comes in to me and says, there's a, there's a smoke after coming out of the dryer. So I went out and I had a look, and, and there was more smoke coming out of the dryer. And thankfully, the dryer was beside the back door. So I was able to pull it out and, and plug it out and drag it outside the back door. When I did, the thing nearly burst into flames. I, I, I had it over beside the tap, and I was filling a watering can and pouring it in, watering can after, and the thing burnt and bur it burnt out. It, it was gone. Glory to God, we were home, and thank God it was beside the back door. But the thing burnt out. You know, some things are fixable, amen, and other things are not. See, we have a, 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 a dishwasher at home, and we've had that since 16, 17 years. I couldn't tell you how many times we've called a repairman to fix the dishwasher. At least four, maybe five times. We've paid more 
to get this thing fixed than it actually cost in the first place. That's a fact. Every time the thing had stopped working, I called the repairman. He'd come out, and that's 80 quid straight away if he can fix it. And he's definitely done it four, maybe five times. So we're thinking, you know, what are we going to do if it breaks again? Will we get it fixed again? We well, probably will. <laughs> Birthday's coming. Praise the Lord. I don't want a dishwasher for my birthday. <laughs> Some things are repairable, other things are not. But that's where the comparison between God and things stops, amen? Because in God, everything is repairable, amen? There is not one thing or one issue, one problem that you could come up against in life that God cannot fix, amen? God made it in the first place. He is the great repairman, amen? The man that we call out to fix our dishwasher, he fixes it every time. He's amazing. He is amazing. He knows these dishwashers inside out, upside down. He knows all the parts, and he's able to fix them. How could we ever think that God wouldn't be able to fix our bodies if we got sick? How could that thought ever cross your mind that maybe God wouldn't fix me this time? Isaiah chapter 53, in verse 5, it says that, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. The good shepherd is the great repairman. Amen. Amen. I trust in and I believe in the great repairman. Amen. Because he designed it. He put it together. He formed me in my mother's womb. He knows me better than I do. Better than any surgeon, better than any doctor, better than any physician, better than any expert. He knows me better. And he has all the spare parts that he needs, amen? And he is not lazy. And he doesn't choose, amen? He doesn't choose between one person and another. I'll heal them, but I won't heal them. Amen? Amen? He is the great repairman, the good shepherd. He has borne our sicknesses, carried our diseases, and by his stripes we were healed. Our God, amen, amen. will fix us every time we break. Amen? amen? Because that's what he does. Amen? amen? That's what he does. That's who he is. Amen? Amen? He restores our lives. He repairs our lives. He puts us back together again when we're broken. Amen? If the repairman can fix our dishwasher, then there's no reason why God can't fix us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Number three, he leads us in paths of righteousness. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. The good shepherd wants to lead us on paths of righteousness if we let him. Yeah. Gotta let him, amen? amen. We gotta let him. Let him lead you. He'll never lead you wrong, amen? He'll never bring you in a direction that, that's wrong or harmful for your life. He'll always lead you in the right way. Amen? amen. When I was growing up, I wasn't a great reader. 
Didn't read a whole lot of books. I don't, I, I don't know why I even pluralized that. I sh didn't read a whole lot of book. <laughs> Amen? Same books. <laughs> I was trying to imply that I read more than one. But one I did read, and it was called Choose Your Own Adventure. Basically, the book was that you'd read the first two chapters. It was a small book. It wasn't a big, it was a small book. You'd read the first two chapters, and at the end of the second chapter, it would say to you, now choose. Choose to, to do, if you, if you choose to do this, go to chapter 3. But if you choose to do the other thing, go to chapter 4. And if you choose to do the other, go to chapter 5. Basically, you had a choice every couple of chapters in the book in which direction you would go. So at the end of the book, the ending that you got, because it had four different endings, the ending that you got was because of the choices that you made. Can any of us say that where we are today in life is not because of the choices we made? We are all where we are because of the choices that we made. Right or wrong, good or bad. Amen? I didn't graduate university with a doctorate in physics because I didn't study well enough in school. I didn't end up going to college. That was, that was the choice that I made. Other people are in different positions because of different choices that you made. Some good, some that you regret. Some great decisions and some poor decisions, but we are all where we are today because of decisions that we made. Amen? We've all chosen to be where we are. Amen? Amen. We have got to, at this stage of our life, allow God to make decisions in our life. Allow God to lead us. Because, listen to me, we can always take control of our lives and make our own decisions in life. And it may work out well sometimes. But if you want guaranteed success in life, allow God to lead you. Amen? Amen? Allow God to lead you. Not every road in this country leads to Dublin. But you can get on any road, any road in this country. And if you follow the signposts, it will eventually take you to Dublin. Whether that be here in Enniscorthy, you get out on the motorway there and follow the signposts that are marked Dublin, and you will eventually end in Dublin. Or you can be in the back hills of Donegal on a road with a cliff at its back, with grass growing down the middle of the road, as far away from Dublin as you can get, and follow the signposts that are pointing you to Dublin, and you will end up in Dublin. It's only when we decide ourselves that I don't think that this road is going to get me to Dublin, and you decide to go against what a signpost says, that you'll end up getting lost and end up in Cork. But if you follow the directions in your life, if you trust in the directions in your life, even when those signposts feel wrong, maybe sometimes even they might look wrong, maybe there's people around you telling you that they are wrong, but if you trust in the signposts in life, if you trust in God, he said he will lead you in paths of righteousness, even though they may not feel right in your eyes. We've got to trust in God. God said he will lead us in paths of righteousness. And at every junction in life where you have to make a choice, 
yield that choice to God. Ask God. I mean, big decisions. I mean, you don't have to ask God, do I get turkey or do I get ham for dinner today? You don't have to ask God that. You can if you want. In big decisions in life, things that are going to affect your life going forward and your family's lives going forward, in those decisions, take them to God. Say, Lord, you lead me. You direct me. You guide me. You show me the right path. You show me the right way. Help me, Lord, to make this decision. Yield it to God because he wants to lead us. He wants to guide us in the right way in life. Let me tell you, before we close, God will never lead you out into the middle of nowhere and abandon you. Never. But sometimes we find ourselves out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, where it seems like everyone has abandoned us. In that situation, turn to God. He'll never lead you out and abandon you, but he's always there when you find yourself lost and abandoned. Amen? Amen. You've got to make that choice for yourself, though. God will never force you. Last scripture, Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. God speaking, he said, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. I hate those choices, do you? Huh? I hate when anyone puts two things in front of me and says, choose. I'm kind of like, oh, that one looks good, and that one there, that looks good too. I, uh. But God is great, isn't he? He says, I've put before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And then he says, choose life. Just in case you were tempted to choose death and, and cursing. He says, choose life. So in all of our things that we come up against in life, God will always have the choice to be in front of us. And in all things, God is saying, choose life. Choose life. Choose my way. God is the good shepherd. He will provide for you. He will restore you. And he will guide you in Jesus' name. Amen.